I'm excited to be kicking into our new series called B, uh, which is all about the letter of James. And as we've already discovered a little bit last week, uh, James doesn't hold back. He's not a holding back kind of guy. And as we're going to see, uh, actually, as we look into the, the kind of the opening paragraphs of his letter uh, today, uh, James begins to lay out right from the start how we should be. Right from the very start, James isn't really so interested necessarily just in what we believe. He's interested in what we are, in what we are becoming. You know, the big idea in James, if you like, is that belief is intrinsically linked to being. James wants us to know that it's impossible to have faith, as he will go on to say to us, without works, without action. And uh, the challenge that James levels at each and every uh, one of us, sentence after sentence, paragraph after paragraph in his letter, uh, isn't, isn't what, what do you think or you know, what do you believe, but how are you going to be? How are you going to be? James is a kind of where the rubber hits the road kind of guy. In a sense, he's saying, look, forget about the songs that you sing on a Sunday. You know, what is it that's going to come out of your mouth on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday, day to day, hour to hour? What does your life actually look like, sound like, smell like? How are you going to make decisions? How are you going to choose how are you going to act and react how are you going to be so let's look at a little bit of chapter one I'm going to read to you today from uh, the English Standard Version, uh, which is a wonderful modern translation, which is a, uh, a very literal translation uh, of the Bible. It's, it's written in good English, uh, but it's very literal uh, in its translation uh, as they try and translate exactly kind of word for word what it is that the, uh, the writers wrote in the original uh, language. And it's going to come up on the screen for you as well. We're going to kick off from verse 2. James says, "'Count it all joy, my brothers.'" Uh, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his words. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and let the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower fails and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. 
Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for the wisdom that you impart to us in the pages of Scripture. And as we just take these moments uh, to consider uh, your word here, would you be with us, speak to us, challenge us, encourage us, change us for your glory. Amen. Amen. Um, Hey, I don't know about you, but I still remember uh, that kind of slightly crushing question uh, that was uh, sought of me when I was about uh, 14 or 15 uh, by my teachers in school while I was surrounded by UCAS paraphernalia. Uh, For those of you that have been through the uh, English education system, you might remember UCAS, uh, which is the kind of body that helps encourage children into universities. Uh, And you have to select your GCSE subjects, and then you have to select your A-level subjects. And actually, the selections that you make are quite important because they're going to dictate what it is that you can go into next. And I remember as kind of a 14, 15-year-old boy being asked, what is it you want to be? What do you want to be? And I I don't know about you, but I found that quite crushing at that age. And I remember there were all sorts of exciting tools that my school had where you could fill out little questionnaires that would tell you what it is you you were going to be. And I remember the thing that kept on coming up for me uh, was a hairdresser. Which, which actually kind of resonated with me quite well. I kind of quite fancied being a hairdresser. And, but, you know, it, the weight of this question, Kate, Phil, what are you going to be? I, f- I felt that way on me quite heavily, especially as the choices that I was about to make uh, were supposedly going to define the next 40 or so years uh, of my working life. 
You know, I think there's a little bit of context for us as we come uh, to James's letter today. James's letter that is all about being, that is all about doing, that is all about the kind of the proactive side of faith. And I, and I think the, the context for us today, uh, and, and maybe this has actually always been the issue, but I think the context for us today is that we are somewhat in the middle of a crisis, a crisis of being in our world. What do we want to be? How do we know? How do we do it? What is God causing us to be? And, uh, you know, whether it's the kind of the 15-year-old confused about their, uh, their choices in school, or whether it's the, the guy having a midlife crisis, or someone in the middle of a career dilemma, or, or whether it's kind of the relentless onslaught of our Media, which just has so much to say about sexual identity and political allegiance and uh, race and, and gender and geography and all of these things wrestling to tell us what it is that we should be. All of these things intent on validating or invalidating certain actions or behaviours or choices uh, or lifestyles you know we are in a crisis of of being today and and God wants to speak into that and James is a wonderful place for us to begin looking at this question of what is it that God wants us to be But, but before we get right into that I just wanted to just, just to say one thing, and there's, there's, there's a kind of a flow, really, I think, that goes uh, kind of image, identity, uh, being. And image is a, is a word which uh, is kind of used badly, I think, today. We think so much of image as a very kind of egotistical thing. You know, what's my image? How do I, how do I portray an image which is not perhaps even me? You know, it's the kind of the Instagram filtered life culture. But actually there's a flow that we see in scripture that begins uh, with image and then goes to identity and then talks about being. And that is that first of all, we are all created in the image of God. And that is a wonderfully positive, incredible, authentic thing. You know, that God has designed and created us here on his earth to be his image. And actually it is, it is that fact And that fact alone, that defines our identity. We are, men, women, image bearers of God. First and foremost, we are people loved by God, designed to bear his image. And that that only really is the thing that we find our identity in. And actually, once we understand that, we can then begin asking questions about, well, what does that mean we should then be in this world? You know, and so all of the practical concern that James takes us through and all of the, uh, the, the thinking about lifestyle and choices and actions, uh, these aren't the things that our identity are based on. That kind of happens way, way before the being conversation. You know, our identity is based on one thing alone, and that is the fact that we were created to be God's image here in this earth. Has everyone got that? 
Because that's in the re- it's a really important thing to say right up front as soon as we start talking about some of the practicalities uh, that James takes us through in his letter. So I want you to remember that in the weeks to come. You know, what we're talking about here is working out the identity that we already have. You know, we don't have to do anything in order to be God's loved children, the ones who carry his image in the earth. But, you know, James does have an awful lot to say about how we might go about doing that. James has a a great answer, really, I think, that he gets straight in there with in this big question crisis around being. Uh, James answers us and he says, well, be perfect. That's what you've got to do. Be perfect. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be perfect. Complete. Not lacking in anything. Is anyone feeling a little bit intimidated? Yeah. Thanks, James. Um, <laughs> you know, I think this is a fantastic answer that James gives us, and it's really important that we kind of grapple with this uh, a little bit. Uh, and the first thing that I want to do is I just want to uh, say that so often in our English translations of the Bible, uh, if we just kind of skirt over the language, uh, we, can, we can miss the point. You know, and, and actually what James is talking about here when he says perfection isn't necessarily what we might first think of. Uh, the, the, the word, the original word that James uses in his letter is the word teleos, teleos. And, uh, and the word teleos is a, it's a, it's an adjective, it's a wonderful kind of descriptive term that has a real sense of kind of proactivity to it. And, and it can be translated perfection, it can be translated mature, uh, it, it's, 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 kind of a, it's kind of a journey and a goal. It's, it's teleos. You know, a, a man was considered teleos when he was fully grown. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily that a boy was imperfect, you know, in our language. That would, you wouldn't say it like that, would you? But he wasn't yet the thing that he'd been designed to become. You know, perfection in James's language is all about becoming the thing that you were designed to be. Telios, perfect. A, uh, a sacrificial animal was considered telios if it was fit to be sacrificed to God. You know, telios is about becoming the thing that you were created in order to fulfil the purpose for which you were designed. Telios, it's the perfection that James encourages us to be. Not some kind of abstract, unattainable, tick the boxes, dot the I's, cross the T's, picture perfect, tidy perfect. But the perfect that is about stepping into everything that you were designed and created for. That's what James says, right up front, straight away. Be perfect. Be perfectly you. That's not necessarily you now. 
necessarily. It's, it's not necessarily just a kind of a wallowing in, a, in the mess that we sometimes find ourselves in and kind of just saying, well, God loves me anyway, which he does, by the way. He really, really does. But, you know, sometimes we can get caught up in the fact that God just loves us, which he does, and we can forget the fact that actually God wants to take us on a journey to somewhere called wholeness, health, salvation, perfection. But not necessarily perfectly you in a kind of a vision of a better you either, in a kind of a the best you that you could be, in a kind of a 12 steps to kind of, you know, work stuff out kind of way. You know, this isn't a self-improvement course that James is trying to take us on. James wants to encourage us into a deep, lifelong journey to discover who it is that we were designed and created to be and the purpose for which we were designed and created. But James does get really practical too. And, and even like in the first 10 verses, you know, I just jotted down 10 things that, that James uh, kind of gives us as some general points. This is just James's introduction uh, to us. He says, be joyful, be faithful, be persevering, be mature, be wise, be expectant, be steadfast, be focused, be confident, be humble. You know, James is really practical and saying, actually, these, these are all things that you should be. These are characteristics of the kinds of people that God has designed us to be. You know, but the big idea here, and this is really the main point for today, and actually if you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this. The big idea here, the point that James kind of goes over and over, is that actually uh, it's not just about ticking a bunch of lifestyle boxes. It's not just about living out a set of rules. But God calls us to live in the way that he's designed us to be, in the way that he's created us to be. Uh, and in doing so, we release the God-given destiny that each of us have. James is inviting us in, in a journey of discovery, of listening and of learning and of doing, so that we might become the people that he's designed us to be. And I love this opening part of James's letter because he, James speaks in real vivid kind of picture language. I really like that. You know, I used to be a designer. I used to work in, uh, in, in the media world. Um, I still like to say I am a designer. Uh, I, I enjoy the, the way that things look. You know, it means, it means a lot to me. Uh, and actually reading James's vivid pictorial language is something that I find really, really helpful. And there's two really interesting pictures that James uh, kind of throws in here at the start of his letter. Things that, uh, that, that can kind of get in the way, perhaps, uh, of us discovering who it is that we're meant to be and being the people that we're meant to be. And, and those two pictures that I just want to pick up on this morning are... The pictures of waves and mirrors. Waves and mirrors. Waves, if you like, well, they're the things that rock the boat. For James here, 
He talks about waves in a sense of temptations, trials. You know, temptations which, which can develop into to sins. You know, sin being uh, a, a kind of a technical word that was used when an archer would shoot an arrow and miss. You know, sin, uh, so often now we just attach it to pictures of uh, kind of moral filth in our culture. It's become this kind of strange language that we just kind of throw out there. And actually it's kind of used quite often in, in a sense of kind of sort of comic hilarity you know, an actually naughty but nice kind of way. But, you know, a sin uh, was, was about missing the mark. Uh, and James talks about temptations that can lead us to sin, that can lead us to fall short of what we should be. There's temptations and, there, and then there's circumstances You know, these things that rock the boat, that shake us in our life. These waves that come and batter us. And I think the interesting thing about waves, and I'm sure already you can think of some things in your own life that might fit into this category. But I think that that waves are, are things that can either hinder us in our faith, or they can help us in our faith. And actually, interestingly, right at the start, James seems to suggest, well, actually, these are the things that we need to consider part of our joy. Because it's actually as we persevere in the midst of the waves that we can become more perfect. That we continue on our journey of discovering who it is that God is calling us to be and and outworking that in a very real sense. You know, often when I, uh, when I pray for people, I may have prayed for you like this. You know, I don't know if you find this. When you pray for people, you kind of tend to use the same kind of words. I, think, I guess it's things that stick in your head. And for me, uh, I've looked at James many, many times. And it's a book that I've come back to over and over. And this, uh, and this kind of picture of someone being tossed uh, by the waves, by the circumstances of life is something that's really kind of stuck in my head. And, and often when I'm praying for people, uh, particularly if I'm praying for someone uh, around areas of guidance, I'll often pray that God would speak to them clearly uh, so, so that they might not just uh, kind of be pushed through life by circumstance, buffeted by the waves Uh, but that they might be able to step forward and walk in the way that God has shown them rather than a kind of fatalistic, well, what will be, will be. We'll see where I get blown today. That's why I often pray for myself and for my family, you know, that God would speak to us really clearly. You know, God spoke to me really clearly when uh, he called me to come here to Shadwell to be a part of this family. You know, and it's really important that we hear God's word. Because we all have tough times. And we need to be able to stand firm on the words that God gives us and not allow circumstance to define the things that we do and the people that we become. I guess for me, the biggest example uh, of this uh, is really in the story of how uh, Charlotte and I had our little daughter, Adelaide. You know, many of you will know the story. Uh, we had just had a crazy time, uh, awful pregnancy. Uh, we were told right from the start that uh, our fetus, they would often call it 
was not compatible with life and uh, we were told to terminate. And uh, we had to go through uh, nine months of pain. That's all I can really describe it. Just waves, nine months of just being buffeted and blown by the waves. But actually in the midst of this trial, as we trusted the words that God spoke to us, it was quite remarkable that we found that we prayed more and we found that we loved more, you know, through the tears and through the hugs with our friends and our families. Uh, We found God at work. Uh, And I remember in that time being so struck by these words of James that we must consider it joy, which seems the most absurd thing to say. But somehow, and I can only say it is by the grace of God and the power of his spirit at work, we were somehow able to find some elements of joy in the suffering that we went through in that season of our life. And, and actually, even as I look back at it now, and, uh, and I'll tell you the full story if you've never heard it another time, but we saw God do a miracle. And we, we saw our little girl born in the most incredible fashion. And even though we still get buffeted by waves, you know, we can, we can look back at that time and actually draw strength from the way that God was with us in the storm. And I think that helped us to be more of the people that we were called to be. It's the kind of perfect that God is calling us to, the people that we were supposed to be. You know, waves can be a hindrance, they can also be a help. How can they be a help? Well, they can be a help when we stand on the unchanging God and his word of truth. In verse 18, uh, James uh, says, he says that God brings us forth by the word of truth. Brings us forth by the word of truth. Other translations might say God births us by the word of truth. And actually that word to bring forth, that word to birth is a really interesting one again. And and it's, it's within the context of a wave yeah, and actually, it's, this is why it's wonderful to kind of really study and chew on Scripture. Because actually the language that James is using here is marvellous. <laughs> it's incredible. You know, here he talks about the waves of life battering us. Uh, and the word that he uses there to bring forth or to give birth uh, is the word uh, to, to, to kind of come out of the waves. And James is saying that actually God lifts us out of the waves by his word, which is unchanging. There is something kind of proactively stable and dependable about our God. You know, that whilst everything else may seem crazy, God is solid and stable and dependable. But there's a proactivity to it because he brings us out. He leads us forth. You know, God's word has the power to lead us somewhere. To lead us to be the people that we are called to be. To be teleos. You know, we talk about it a lot here at St. Paul Shadwell, that our God is a God who speaks. 
He speaks to us over and over and over to each one of us. Uh, And it's remarkable uh, the ways that God has spoken to us over this past uh, year. Incredible the ways that he has directed us. And I want us to continue to remember that our God is a God who speaks, who cares for each one of us so much that he wants each one of us to hear his voice, to understand his word. But, and this really is kind of the crux of James's message again, because there's a but. Uh, you know, James wants you to know and to understand that God speaks, uh, and that's the truth. But what are you going to do about it? Is the constant echo that we get from James. And this kind of leads us on to this second uh, amazing picture that James gives us here, the picture of mirrors, the mirror. I love this part. And, and for me, it kind of speaks just of our incredible sort of predisposition to forget. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I forget a lot. <laughs> In fact, I asked Sarah this morning if she'd mind me uh, sharing this. So I came in this morning and, um, uh, and, and Sarah went, oh, hi. Oh, I've completely forgotten your name. I said, oh, hi, I'm Phil, Sarah. But um, it's amazing how we forget. It's amazing how we have those moments, isn't it, where actually we really know something, but we suddenly go, oh, it's, just, it's gone. It's just gone in the moment. I think, I think the worst time that I forgot, well, I don't know if it's, yeah, probably the worst time. I remember I got back from our honeymoon, just after Charlotte and I got married, and um, got back from my honeymoon, and, um, you know, I think we would just pop into the shops to go and get some milk or something, and I looked down in the, like, the glove box of the car, and um, there were about, like, 30 wedding invitations, um, and oh, I thought, oh, yeah, I was, I was meant to post those. Um, whoops uh, and there was a sudden kind of realisation <gasps> I forgot, oh no um, so if, actually if any of you knew me back then and, uh, and you were really offended of why you didn't get an invite you, it might have been in my car uh, you know, but it's amazing, you know, we know that we need to do stuff but we just forget it's incredible how much we forget in fact the story of the Bible is really the story of God's people who forget and the people's God who is faithful. You know, the story of the Bible is this constant kind of up and down of God caring for his people and instructing them in love and then them forgetting. And then God faithfully standing by them and reminding them and then them forgetting and reminding them, and forgetting. And really, this is, for me, I guess, the story of my life. Phil, the guy that forgets, but Phil's God, who is faithful. You know, this is all of our stories. We forget, but God remains faithful. Verse 23, verse 24. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. 
So he looks at himself and then goes away and at once forgets what he was like. You know, I love that the picture here is of a man who looks intently in the mirror. You know, this isn't a quick glance. Oh, yeah, and that's why yeah, you forgot because you didn't really look properly. No, this is the man who looks intently in the mirror. And bear in mind, in those days, mirrors weren't the kind of, you know, glass kind of mirrors that we see today, but it would have been kind of highly polished metal, you know, and you would, you, you would be able to stare intently into these mirrors and study, study your face. You know, but even when we look intently, you know, if we don't do something about the things that we see, immediately we go away and forget. You know, it doesn't matter how much we might try and remind us that oh, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. Oh, I can't remember what I look like anymore. You know, but there's something incredible about the way that God speaks to us through his word that actually reveals to us who we are. You know, I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you've been reading God's word or you've been in worship before God and God has spoken to you and he's kind of revealed something about you to you. And you think, oh, yes, that's God speaking to me. And in a moment, we have a decision to kind of do something or to go away and then forget. You know, God doesn't want us to be a people who look, who hear, who understand, but then who go away and forget. And then go away and forget. And then go away and forget. You know, I don't know if you've ever got into this bad habit. I've had to kind of seriously uh, kind of think about the way I use social media. I don't know, some of us might really struggle in the same way that I struggle. Probably none of you as much as I've struggled. But, the, um, you know, there's, there's the kind, this kind of thing where you can, just, you can just look at kind of... Has anyone done this thing where you kind of pull your phone out and you look at some social media? And, okay, you just pop it back in your pocket. And then literally, like, 30 seconds later, you just pull it out and just look at it again. And then you're like, oh, no, it's the same. <laughs> no, and, then, and then you put it back and then... Oh, hang on. And it's like, why, have I, why do I keep looking at it and it hasn't changed? And it's like, actually, nothing has changed because I haven't done anything. I just looked again, you know? And I think it can be a bit like that with God's word. As God speaks to us, we have to go away and do. We have to go away and be the people that he's calling us to be. There's no good just looking and just looking and just looking, just coming on a Sunday and looking as if it's just a kind of a habitual thing that we do. And then go away on a Monday and forget. You know, God is calling us not to just be listeners and hearers, but to be doers of the word. You know, the message of James is really that it's as easy and as difficult as that. To be a people who do. You know, Jesus is inviting us into a partnership with him. His word is powerful and it is mighty to save. It is the solid rock on which we can stand whilst the waves of life crash around us. But the invitation that Jesus offers to each one of us is to join him, to actually stand on the rock, to use the rock, to use his word, to allow his word to be active in your life.
to allow his word to be the thing that draws you onto perfection, to be perfectly you, empowering you to be the person that you were created and designed to be. Verse 24, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, well, he will be blessed in all his doing. And I just want to finish on this today as we just kind of continue to set the scene for this incredible kind of practical journey that James wants to take us on, is that ultimately this is God's heart for us, that we would be perfectly who he wants us to be, because he wants us to be blessed. God loves you, and he wants the best for you. The very best. But I love the way that James finishes this sentence here, talking about blessing. Because he says, well, actually, you'll be blessed in all that you do. And there's this sense around blessing that we we see echoed throughout Scripture, really. But so often we can forget. Because we just want to be blessed. But actually, right at the beginning, when God first speaks his covenant to Abraham... And first says, you will be blessed. He says, you will be blessed so that you can be a blessing to the whole world. There's something wonderfully proactive about blessing in and of itself. You know, that is what God wants for each and every one of us. But we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. So that we can do. So that we can be everything that God wants us to be. Can we stand together? I'm going to invite the band to come back. Uh, We're going to sing again, but I just want us to take a moment, uh, just as the the band begin to play, uh, just to listen uh, to God together. Because God is speaking and continues to speak. And I believe that God wants to speak to each and every single one of us this morning. He wants to encourage us. He wants to challenge us. He wants to help us to understand how it is that he wants us to be.